Elders and I have uh, been praying about this for uh, quite a while, and we feel that we really have God's heart in mind and His Spirit's direction that this is what we are supposed to do right now in this year so that this church, that means every individual, every marriage, every teenager, and the church corporately can walk in such financial health that we can really experience heaven on earth. That is the way that heaven plans for His children, God's children, to walk in the earth in financial health in such a way that we are not begging, we are not suffering, we are not struggling, we are not barely surviving, we are not just going month to month, we are not in such debt that we can't see out from under it, but that we are walking in such provision and our needs being met that our lives are about blessing others. See, that's God's plan for every one of you. I don't care where you are financially. God can get you out and get you up into His standard of living, which is living your life provided for, and your purpose in life is looking for others who need to be touched by God through financial benevolence. That is God's vision for your life. Now, you might say you have no idea what our financial mess looks like. God does, and God can, through His wisdom, through His miraculous power, through all of His resources, undo whatever you've done and get you to a healthy place, not only with your resources, but in your mind and in your heart and in your spiritual posture and in your, in your purpose in life. He wants to do a whole restoration process in your attitude, our attitudes toward money. We do not need to be intimidated by money. God is not intimidated by money. Now, I would hope that you'd be excited about this series on financial um, harvest. A lot of times when people hear there's going to be a financial stewardship series, they kind of brace for it. It's like, oh, God. And they're going to tell me how I need to do better with my money. And they're going to tell me I need to show more restraint. And they're going to tell me that I need to do this and do that. And it's going to just, it's just going to heap all sorts of guilt on me and, and uh, make me feel bad about the way I'm handling my finances. I hope so. So that way we can repent and then we can do it God's way and God can take us up to his level of living. But that's really our intent is not to, for all of us to feel bad, but for all of us to live well. And so during this series, what I hope for more than anything is that you gain vision for your godly future. And how you can partner with heaven as a, as a, as a, uh, a resource of benevolence, prosperity and benevolence for the world on God's behalf. I'm praying that you gain vision, that your sight would elevate up from uh, survival mode or my four no more, just so our needs are met, we're happy, popping up into the Abrahamic covenant where God began his relationship with our father of faith, Abraham, by saying to him, I am going to bless you. And when God says that, you're blessed. So that you can barely make it. 
so that you and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob will be blessed? No. God said, I'm going to bless you so that the entire world will be blessed through you. Now, that mouthful from God is his assignment to you, too. The key is, will we line up with God and God's wisdom that he has for us so that can become a reality in our lives? Can I hear an amen? Now, I can't make you do it. I can't make my wife do it. She can't make me do it. You can't make your spouse do it. Every one of us in this church individually need to decide that we want to do it God's way. And when we do, we're going to find out that God's way is always the best way. The reality is this money issue is so deep inside of us that we will actually give God our souls through salvation. God, please come into my life. Forgive me my sins. You can have my soul. But you can't have my money. Boy, that is so revealing, isn't it? About how we really feel about money. We love it. We just love it. And not only meets our needs, it meets our dreams and our fantasies and our hopes and our desires. It's amazing the things that people will do for money. We will work ourselves to the bone to get it. Some people will steal, kill. Some people will lose their families for it. And it's not just people who have it. People that don't have it think about it all the time. Because they feel it is the answer to all their problems. People who have it think about it all the time. Because those that don't have it want to get it, and those who have it don't want to lose it. The Bible talks so much about money, it is, it is amazing. In fact, Jesus taught more about money than he did heaven and hell. Jesus said, where your money is, that's where you're going to find your heart. Jesus knows it's a direct connection from money to our hearts. What we want, we know money can get. And so that's why Jesus calls money a God, a small g. He calls it mammon. He knows that that really is one of the main competitors to our worship of God is our pursuit of money. And God wants us to pursue him. And then he will cause money and resources to come after us. The Bible says it so clearly over and over. It says, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. See, we're supposed to pursue God, and then he causes blessings to come up from behind us and overtake us. We're not supposed to be pursuing blessings. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom, and I will personally add all this other stuff to you. See, our vision has got to get correct first. And then the blessings of God will come upon us and we will be a blessed people. So our key is to keep our eyes on God. Now, here's the reality. Most people see God on one side. Here's God and he's holy. This is the way I used to see it as a, as a businessman, a Christian businessman. I had not yet coupled the two. Uh, I am having... Um, oh, great. 
So we're going to put a comma right here. If you could pause the CD right here for a moment, just pause the sermon. Because we have God over here and he's holy. And then we see money over here and it's unholy. And you really just have to completely erase the board in your mind of that mentality because that is a religious mindset. It is not a godly mindset. God owns it all. God put the gold and the silver and the onyx stones and all of the resources that are in the earth. He put them in the Garden of Eden. Catch this. And then he said, Adam and Eve, steward it. He said, I want you to tend the garden. That concludes everything in the garden. So if God created gold and silver and all the, all the precious minerals of the earth and all the precious resources of the earth, then I call them good. Because everything God created, He called it what? Good. The issue is, when they get into our hands, what do we do with them? They can so easily corrupt our heart and they can be used for selfish and even evil purposes. And so what we need to do is allow ourselves to be transformed in our thinking and in our heart motivation. So we line up with our Father in Heaven. I'm going to say it again. Who owns it? How much? All. And let me tell you, He has great joy in sharing His wealth. Just like a father and a mother would to responsible children. Let's say that you had an enormous amount of resources. Who would you like to give those resources to? Strangers? People who are going to be wicked with it and irresponsible? Think about it. Your mom and dad, you have an incredible estate and you have a handful of children. Who do you want to give the resources to? Just tell me. You want to give them to your children because that's, that's who you want to share it with. But you will not do it if you know they are irresponsible, drug-using, alcohol-drinking, womanizing, spend it all on myself, eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die kind of kids, right? Would you release your inheritance to them? Please say no. Or we're going to have to back up and start at a, at a, uh, at a point a little bit back from where I think we can begin from, and that is sanity and some common sense. And so here's our dad who owns it all. And we just need to line up with him so that he can have the joy of releasing his resources, his creativity, his ingenuity, opening doors of opportunities, unleashing his favor. He will move mountains that are in opposition to his people. If one thing, we are about his business. Now, who has the Amplified Bible here in the church today? You, anybody have the Amplified translation? You do. Great. Can I, uh, can I borrow your Bible? I was going to have this up on the screen, but I didn't, I didn't uh, get to the tech team fast enough. Now, this is going to just blow you away if you've never read this before. But I want you to see a very clear vision of God's intention for his children. That's 
you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have been birthed into the family of God. That means that you have an inheritance. That means that your daddy owns it all and he wants to share it with you. And what I am trying to do by the spirit of God, I believe in the wisdom of God is to get this church in line with heaven's desires so that heaven can unleash itself on us. And money is a major part of seeing heaven visit the earth. God wants it into the hands of his church so it can be funneled through his church so that he can accomplish in the world what he wants to accomplish. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just listen to this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but listen to this portion. Remember this, the Apostle Paul writes. He who sows, talking about money sparingly and grudgingly, will reap also sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, that's the motivation, will also reap generously and with blessing. So that is the premise. That's the fact. That's the setup. Let each one give. This isn't all just about giving. You'll see. It's just that in this particular context, that's where it begins. Because giving is the cornerstone of kingdom economics. That's where it all begins. That we are to be a giving people. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind. And purposed in his own heart. In other words, if we can get our minds and our hearts in line with God's, then we will be giving like God is a giver. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Now, here's the part I want to see. I want you to see. Here's God's vision for your financial life. Are you ready for this? And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Wow. Wow. So I'm putting God and money together. And this is what he wants to do for his children. As it is written, the benevolent person scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Listen, and God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating. So God wants you to party too. And we'll see that. He's a fun God. He just doesn't want us to eat at all. God who provides seed for sowing or gives money for giving and bread for you also to eat well, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruit of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, do you want your life to look like that? It can. God's ready. That's his financial plan. For you. He's waiting for you to reach up your hand and grab his and say, show me the way, daddy. So the elders of the church are going to try to help 
and accomplishing this for this house. I don't want any beggars. I don't want to see people struggling and barely making it. I want us all to be walking with our daddy in heaven and prospering. And if somebody has a need in the church, anybody, you can throw a dime and hit somebody who can write a check to bless the brother or sister. That's what God wants for us. And so we have titled this everything you ever wanted to know about money, but were afraid to ask God. God's intention is for money to flow to us and through us. That's God's vision for your life. For money to flow to your resources and through you. But listen, if we don't allow the through us part to become more important than the to us part, we will never experience how much God has in store for us. Heaven has this heavenly resource flow ready to flow to your life. But if heaven sees that when it flows to you, it gets stuck in you and on you, then heaven will stop flowing its resources towards you. Now, I, I'm th- I know this for a fact, not only because the Bible says it over and over and over and over and over, but God taught this to me. Now, some of you may have heard this. Let me say it very quickly and briefly. When I was a, a businessman here in San Diego, before I was a pastor, uh, I was uh, making a lot of sales. And a lot of money. And I was probably maybe, uh, I think I was doing like, mm, I think, uh, ooh, like 100 sales a weekend. 100 people would buy my product per weekend, which was a lot. It was an industry record in the nation. And one weekend, I went to sell and nobody bought. Nobody. Zero on a Friday night. And I mean, I'm doing presentation after presentation after presentation. So then all day Saturday, I, I presented and presented and presented one group after the other after the other. Nobody bought. It was unprecedented. Saturday night, presentation after presentation. I mean, I'm giving it my best, man. I mean, I'm trying to do everything I can to readjust and represent and build a better rapport and describe the product better. And Nope. So Sunday I go to church and I give an extra offering so that I can go back to church. I'll go, go back to work Sunday afternoon and see if maybe, you know, I could bribe God to bless me. And so then I sell all Sunday afternoon. Nobody buys. It comes down to Sunday evening. There's about two hours left. And I'm ready to go to, for, to a uh, ministry uh, conference for a week to go up to Anaheim to a, a conference. And um, I said this to God at the end of the Sunday evening. All the other employees are just, they, they, they think, you know, I'm Job or something. I mean, I did some big great sin or something. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just an, an enigma to all of us. It was weird. John's lost it. And I said to God, every sale I make between now and closing, I will give as an offering to the ministry I'm going to. The next group that came up, they all bought. And then there was another group and another group and another group. We were there till past midnight signing contract after contract after contract after contract. And what God taught me, we were completely broken in debt and suffering miserably. My brother had a nervous breakdown. We were so broke we couldn't pay attention. I know what it's like to hurt and to suffer and to live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I know what that feels like. For everybody else, we paying your bills, the humiliation of that. I know what that feels like. And he taught us how to prosper, which is some of the stuff I'm going to be teaching in Gary and Mark. But once he taught us how to prosper, then he taught me what the prosperity was for. 
It's not just to come to you. It must be going through you to bless others. Then it got fun. The scripture I showed you earlier where God says he gives seed to the sower. I started learning that God owns it all. And if I would be looking out where other people could be blessed through me, I would then ask God for sales so that the prophet could go to people who were in need. And all of a sudden, the lid came off. And I started partnering with my Father in heaven to be a blessing in the earth. This is God's intent. And God's intent is for it to come to you so that it can come through you. If you don't walk in this, you will not walk in God's destiny for your life. Now, there are three main categories. Now, this may be basic, but listen, everything we've taught this year is different. I could have taught on John 3.16 this year and it would be different. Because the spirit of wisdom and revelation is flowing through our church like never before. So let this financial stewardship series, three weeks, and then Alan Vincent comes for a whole weekend. Please plan on being here Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. Get all you can out of Alan. I emailed my staff and said, should we do a Sunday night meeting just for the staff too? Is that going to burn you guys out? And one staff member wrote back, I want to get all of Alan I can get. We will be there. Okay, you want to be here for that weekend. But the next three Sundays is this financial stewardship series. Let it be different. By posturing yourself differently in your attitude toward this subject matter. So God can raise you up. Now, there are three main categories that you're going to deal with in life regarding finances. And God will speak to you in, in each area. The question is, are you, am I going to listen to him in each one of these areas? Now, teenagers, listen. If you don't get this now, you're going to be a nightmare when you're an adult. You're going to run into financial nightmares because you're not going to learn this at this age. Now, my kids are eight, six, three, three, and one, and I'm already teaching them how to do this. Each one of them have a little bank at home, or the, the two older ones, they have a little bank at home, and the banks are, they have a giving bank, they have a savings bank, and they have a spending bank. Money from the very earliest conception in their mind has been broken down into these three categories. This is how they are going to be formed and shaped as they grow up. So they don't have to learn this when they're adults and try to get their financial life squared away. And they're not allowed to marry anybody who doesn't have this going on. That's the first question I'm going to have for anybody they bring home. Because money is one of the number one reasons for divorce. It's, it's a tough subject, isn't it? You get a spender and a saver living under the same roof. That's a UFC fight if I've ever seen one. Ultimate Fighter Challenge, for those of you who don't know what that is. And giving is first. Giving is the cornerstone of your financial turnaround. God told us to start giving when we were broke. God says you need to get on my page, be about my kingdom, be a giver like me. Then the others will open up. Savings comes next. And spending is last. In America, we have this completely flipped around. We spend everything, we save nothing, and we give God tips. People say, well, I, I can't tithe, I can't afford it. Or I give when I can't afford it. You've got the whole paradigm flipped around backwards. And again, I'm telling you, I learned this when we were broke and suffering. God taught me, which is you know, any, any basic uh, financial course you'll, you'll take, especially in the kingdom, biblical economics, this will be it. But... But uh, God taught us how to start is with the giving piece. Then you move to the saving piece and the spending. Hope and I are working toward the nine one oh uh, uh, the eight one one. You give ten, 
You save 10 and you live on the 80. But the idea is for that 10 to keep increasing. The giving part keeps increasing. So does the savings part keep increasing. If we have it turned the right direction, it does. Look what Jesus said. Watch out. Be on your guard. That's a command Jesus gave to each one of us. Be on your guard against wanting to have more and more things. Because what does that do? Which, which two of those categories gets wiped out if we are wanting more and more things? Giving and saving. Now, I know this is basic, but we're not living it. So I'm just going to go back to basics. When we want more and more things, which advertising will make you want more and more things, the giving and savings get completely wiped out, and all we're doing is spending. And Jesus a life, your life is not made up of how much a person has. Boy, is that a word to Southern California or what? So, God's kingdom economic plan is very simple. It is God releases heavenly resources to you. He has re- released resources to you right now. Everything you have right now, God has given to you. Your spouse, your children, your home, your cars, your clothes, your money. You can say, no, 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 I earned all that. Wow. So you created the heavens and the earth and slung the stars into existence? You breathed life into your own lungs and gave yourself birth? You conceived yourself before you were conceived? Wow, let's all turn to that individual and just start bowing down and giving worship. God gave us everything. And he wants to see how you manage those resources. And if you manage them wisely, he gives you more. It is that simple. And that piece right in the middle, you manage those resources wisely, is what Mark and Gary are going to cover the next couple of weeks. It is going to be so doggone helpful. Today, I'm just setting up the vision of God for your life and hoping you buy into it so that you'll want to roll up your sleeves and learn, okay, where am I out of kilter with God? Where do I need a financial chiropractic adjustment so that I can get under the flow and the funnel of God's resources and provisions in my life? Because it will come. So, let's read a parable that Jesus gave directly regarding this very issue. One of the areas that Jesus taught on resources. He says, for the kingdom of heaven. What are we after in this church? Heaven on earth, right? Jesus is about to teach us how to get financial heaven on earth. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his own ability, and immediately went on his journey. Now this text is going to be our text for the next three weeks, the the basic text. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also, but he who had received one went and dug it in the ground, hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and bought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been Okay, will you say this next phrase with me? 
You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Promotion comes from God. That's the vision I want you to see. I don't want you to get caught up yet in how you're not being quite faithful if you're not, including hope. When I say you, it's you plural. I'll say we. I don't want you to get caught up yet in the areas where you're not being faithful. I want you to see what God's intent, what his desire is for your life to make you ruler over many things. He wants to promote and exalt his children. God doesn't mind you and I being exalted. He just doesn't want us exalting ourselves. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In other words, do it God's way and he will exalt you in due time. So Jesus right here says, man, I love it when you handle my resources well, because I will then make you rule over more of my dad's stuff. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There is, it puts joy in God's heart when we handle his resources well. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear one yet? Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, now here comes the excuse maker. Okay, I don't know what your excuses is, but God doesn't like them. Lord, I'm a man full of excuses of why we're in the financial jam we're in. I knew you to be a hard man, blaming it on God, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. In other words, you don't live down here and have to go to work Monday through Friday. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground using his own wisdom, not God's. Look there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. This is Jesus, the nice, soft, uh, girl, dress-wearing, donkey-riding Savior, who's just always so gentle and nice. You wicked and lazy servant. That's the side of Jesus we want to stay away from. (laughs) You knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited whose money? My money. With the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Now look what he says. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. That's God's plan for your life. Right there it says it, doesn't it? Abundance. Not just trying to make the months meet. Most of us have too much month at the end of our money. But he says he will have an abundance if he stewards it well. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Some of you were prospering. Listen, some of you were prospering and now you're not. And it could be very well that God saw that you were not handling the resources well. Take from him the money the resources they did not handle well and give it to the child who is a good steward. So they will have an abundance. Some people come into church, they're suffering. We teach them these principles They begin to prosper and they can't handle the prosperity and they allow themselves to be prospered right out of church. Well, I can't come to church because, you know, sales are good. It's like you idiot. Don't you remember how sales got good? You're going to end up back here in a few months because it's going to go away. 
Because God is going to see that you now are running after money instead of after him. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't desperation beautiful? It lines everything up the way it's supposed to be. But then prosperity can just ruin us. You know what God says to the Jewish nation? After you have eaten, give thanks, lest you forget who prospered you. Isn't that interesting? The Bible teaches us to give thanks after we've eaten, not only before, lest we forget God. Do you think America has forgotten God? All of our decisions, especially for who gets to become president, primarily are around economics. Our money means everything to us. That's why they knew to fly airplanes into the World Trade Center. They know that money is our God. And it trickles down right into the church to where only 10% of the church globally tithes. And God tells all of his kids to. But we have a bunch of excuses why we don't. And yet giving is the cornerstone to your financial turnaround. So our memory verse is... Well done. Let's say this out loud. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Well... There are three points to this sermon, and I'm supposed to teach point one, which we are we're going to get to next. And then Mark is taking second point, and so Gary taking the third over the next few weeks. But you know what? I think I'm done this morning. And I think that we need to come to a place where we're ready to make a decision to posture ourselves under God's wisdom. So that we can get out of our financial lack and suffering and silliness and foolishness and start building our house on the rock. I don't care where you are financially, God can get you out. But you've got to ask God for his wisdom, which you're going to be hearing over the next couple of weeks, and then do whatever he says. Let's pray. Now, if you know that you've been foolish with the resources God has given to you, I'm going to ask you to repent right now. That means telling God that I give in and I'm going to let you not only control my soul and my salvation, but also my resources for a living. Now, tell the Lord, if you're willing, with, if you have the courage and faith and his goodness for your life, which I've shown you all day today. God, I'm asking you to reveal lust in me for things. Reveal pride in me, thinking I can handle my money better than you, better than the church. That's why I don't tithe. Fear of lack is just a lack of trust in your goodness. 
Just ask him right now. Say, Lord, please go deep inside of me and begin to reveal these areas of doubt, unbelief, fear and pride in my heart. Lust, materialistic, my self-worth coming from being able to have new things and people see me wear new things and drive new things when I can't afford it. God, give me the courage to resist the advertising that tells me I must have more. I can have more right now. God, please put restraint in me. Teach me to be satisfied with you and your provisions and your timing in my life. Help me live godliness with contentment is great gain. We need God's help for this family. Root out and rout out God. Our flesh and our lusts, our greeds, and fix us and heal us financially. And show us your vision for our lives of being a financial resource to the world. Amen. That didn't hurt, did it? Are you with us? Oh, that is just a really poor response. All right. Okay. Let's pray one more time. Let's pray one more time. Father, we ask you for your wisdom to be poured out in this house. Give courage to where courage is needed. Instill faith where faith is needed. Instill clear uh, communication and agreement in marriages. All throughout this church, God. Let the fighting stop. And let the wisdom of God reign. And let this church be a church of flowing resources to the world. May you smile upon this church and say, enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, there's nothing you have to do. There's no way that you can earn the sins you've committed to be forgiven. It's a free gift. But you have to raise your hand and say, I want God's free forgiveness. The only way it's going to come to you is through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the only one that paid for your sins. You cannot be a good person and for God to then say, well, I guess you deserve forgiveness. The penalty of your sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And you need to choose Jesus. He's already chosen you. You need to choose him. It's a choice you have to make. If you're in this church today and you would like that prayer, would you raise your hand and just say, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I'm going to turn my life over to him and have my sins completely forgiven. You raise your hand anywhere in this house. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I need my sins forgiven. Okay, I don't see any hands. 
Uh, but there'll be people down here ready to pray for you right now at the end of the service. You can come down and pray with them. Maybe you have some questions about Christianity that you need answered before you can cross that line. Also, if you need any healing in your body, any kind of miraculous breakthrough of any kind, maybe you need to come up and repent for financial sin and foolishness, and you want to get right with God, and you just want to turn things over. The main reason that the elders and I are excited about teaching this is because we are so grieved over some of the financial pain that people in this church are going through. And some of it is just flat out a lack of wisdom, and we want to help. Amen? Amen. So let's all stand.